0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. On May 30, 2005, 18-year-old Natalie Holloway vanished while on a graduation trip to Aruba with her fellow classmates. Natalie's disappearance garnered international attention, and 17-year-old Joran Vandersloot was soon made the prime suspect in the case. He was the last person seen with Natalie. Twice during the investigation, Vandersloot was arrested in connection to Natalie's disappearance or death. However, He was released both times due to a lack of evidence. Years passed and no trace of Natalie was ever found. In 2012, she was legally declared dead by an Alabama judge. For 18 years, Natalie's family suffered the impact of her loss without any answers. But in a recent update to the case, a groundbreaking confession was made. In June, Vandersloot was extradited to the United States from Peru where he was serving a prison sentence for the 2010 murder of 20-year-old Stephanie Flores Ramirez. After arriving to the United States, he faced charges of extortion and wire fraud against the Holloway family. As part of a plea deal in the extortion and fraud case, Vandersloot finally admitted to the murder of Natalie. Although Aruba has a 12-year statute of limitations for murder charges, authorities have said the case remains open and are requesting documents from the U.S. Department of Justice. Returning to the Fox True Crime Podcast to discuss how the Birmingham community is processing the recent news is WBRC anchor and investigative reporter Jonathan Hardison. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us again. Tell us about the latest developments.
1: Emily, thanks for having me. Uh, Obviously, a bit of a a shocking turn of events in this case uh, when Jorn van agreed to plead guilty, to those charges of wire fraud and extortion in exchange for a sentence that is probably, to put it lightly, more kind than most people would have expected. A sentence that is, yes, 20 years, but is going to be served concurrently with his prison sentence in Peru. So a lot of folks had expected he would serve a significant amount of prison time in a federal prison here in the U.S. sometime after serving his sentence in Peru. It now appears he will only perhaps serve a year or two here In America, long past now, perhaps decades in the future uh, for these charges of wire fraud and extortion. And, of course, the big key to this entire plea deal was him finally agreeing to accept responsibility for, confess to, and describe the murder of Natalie Holloway that for the first time he admits that he committed. And he described how he did that in graphic fashion with Natalie's parents, Beth and Dave, listening to that confession Um, ahead of the court hearing, and then we got some of those gruesome details in his plea agreement submitted to the federal court.
0: Can you share what those horrific details were?
1: Yes, so uh, the confession, the uh, court actually released an audio uh, recording of this, and it's an interview Yoran did with his uh, attorney uh, where he very calmly, I think to put it, mildly describes what happened that night in Aruba back in 2005 in late May. And uh, What he says is that uh, he and Natalie Holloway met up at that nightclub uh, that he and those brothers and that were uh, early suspects in the case got into a, a car or a taxi. At some point, the other uh, friends jump out and it's just he and Natalie uh, on a beach. He said she'd asked to go back to her hotel, but I was trying to get dropped off a little bit away from the hotel so we could walk back and I might still get a chance to, and I'm quoting here, be with her. Um, so he says that they dropped them off a little ahead of the Marriott hotel, not far from the next hotel. Uh, and he says that then they got out and that he began to make advances. Then on the beach, they sort of lay down and began kissing. And when he tried to take it further, uh, she told him no, that she didn't want to. He said he insisted and kept trying. And she then kneed him in the crotch. And he says, when that happened, I'm going to read from his confession here. He says, I get up on the beach and I kick her extremely hard in the face. She's laying down uh, unconscious, possibly even dead, but definitely unconscious. And I see right next to her a huge cinder block laying on the beach. And he goes on to say that he picked up that cinder block and then smashed her in the head and says that he was sure at that point he had probably killed her. He says he was scared and didn't know what to do. So he says, and in in his words, I'll read again here, I decided to take her and put her into the ocean. I push her off. I walk up to about my knees into the ocean, push her off into, into the sea. And yeah, after that, I get out. I walk home. And that's how he describes the last moments of Natalie Holloway's life, moments, a uh, description that her family had long suspected was the case. But to this point, uh, almost 18 years later, you aren't vanished, so it had never admitted to, had never described. And this is for the first time in court, we begin to hear some of these details.
0: It's difficult to hear those details um, without feeling nausea and intense sorrow and sadness for this family. I can't imagine what the family went through hearing these vile words coming out of that person's mouth. Do we have any information on that exchange at all? If there's been any interaction between the family and this person?
1: So there was um, a very dramatic uh, interaction between Natalie's mom, Beth, uh, and Ewan Vandersloot Really one of the first times they have interacted uh, in public, certainly or really in any way, um, in years. And, uh, and that was in the courtroom here in Birmingham when he pled guilty to this extortion and wire fraud charges. Again, not pleading guilty to Natalie's murder, but her mom, Beth, was able to uh, make a victim impact statement. And I'm going to read just part of that for you. She said to him in court, looking right at him, for 18 years, you've denied killing my daughter, Natalie, your lies and manipulation, taunting us with fake news interviews and wild stories of what happened have caused indescribable pain and harm to my family and me. Now, in the course of being sentenced for attempting to sell me her remains, you have finally admitted that you, in fact, murdered her. Natalie would be 36 now. I think about what kind of a doctor she would have become. She would be married, have children, my grandchildren, but you destroyed all of this. You terminated her potential, her dreams, and her possibilities when you bludgeoned to, her, to death in 2005. You are a murderer. Remember that every time that jail door slammed shut, you are a killer. You didn't get what you wanted from Natalie, so you brutally killed her. You didn't get what you wanted, so you killed her. She also said, and this was, she had written this victim impact statement uh, ahead of time, and she read that, and then the last of that I thought was very poignant. She says, and while you're living your life in prison, until you're an old man, I'll live the rest of my life with wonderful memories of a beautiful young lady who had her whole life in front of her. Natalie will be 18 forever in my heart. She was smart and so accomplished. And I have no doubt she would have made all her dreams come true. She had real hope. The hope that filled her heart fills mine. And I wake up every day remembering who she was. And then as she stepped off the stand, Beth Holloway turned to Yoran and said, by the way, Yoran, you look like hell. We're
0: going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. You mentioned before how some have questioned the concurrent nature of the sentencing. And when we hear the story in full, and you shared with us in that that former episode about the taunting, essentially, that this person engaged in with the Holloway family about knowing uh, where the body was located and the circumstances of Natalie's death and disappearance and the like, um, which is exactly why he is now convicted of such. There are valid questions being raised about what justice looks like is justice being served here? Have there been any explanations by representatives of the courts about why the sentences were concurrent and why the statute of limitations will apply or if there are any exceptions that could be made? Because at the end of the day, if this looks like justice, I think many people are disappointed.
1: Ah, uh, very legitimate questions, and one we've been asking um, of the court and of prosecutors, who said, "Look, this is a this negotiation of the plea deal was something that the family was very involved in, and that's something the family confirms. I've talked to several uh, people in the family, people connected to the family, the Holloway family, who say they appreciate the way that they were involved in this process from the beginning. And in the end of the day, what Beth said, uh, both in court and then when she spoke to us after court, was that she had this finally brings to her a sense of closure and peace. She was." remarkably calm, remarkably um, at peace to have heard some of these details. And, of course, she had heard them well in advance of that hearing that day. This is the first time we had heard some of this. But uh, what she said is, look, I I have been looking for finally these answers for 18 years. Um, And so for me, this search is over. And knowing that Yaron is going to spend decades more in prison um, is enough. I think she would prefer perhaps him to never be a free man again. Uh, as many people involved in this case uh, feel the same way. The judge even said that she struggled with this particular sentence recommendation because of the nature of this. And of course, you have to remember that the reason VanderSloot's in the Peruvian prison is because he killed another woman who rejected his sexual advances five years to the day after Natalie Holloway died. That's why he's in prison right now, is for that murder. So the judge brought all that up and said she didn't love the idea uh, of giving this concurrent sentence, but it was part of the plea deal and part of the grand negotiation to try and finally get this confirmation, this admission from Joran Van Der Schloot. And so his team obviously was using that as a leverage, as a bargaining chip. All they had basically to play in this negotiation was the card of him finally admitting to it things and finally uh, giving some answers as to what happened. Answers, by the way, that some people are still skeptical of. Uh, the guy's a proven liar and people have questions about whether he's telling the truth now or whether he's just saying this to uh, perhaps just get himself this easier if you want to look at it that way. Sentence, but the 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 bottom line of the sentence is he will not be a free man until sometime in June of 2043, June 9th of 2043 to be exact is the first day he could be free from this prison sentence if it's tacked onto the one in Peru, even though they're concurrent. And the the symbolism of that not that date is it was June 9th. Of 2005, when he was arrested in Aruba for suspicion of the murder of Natalie Holloway. So there is some symbolism to that date, um, as well as the Aruban prosecutors, we should mention, have reached out, we've confirmed, to the Department of Justice here in the States and asked for all of their investigative files. We've been talking to the prosecutor's office down there about whether they could perhaps pursue some charges now that he's admitted to this. And there is a statute of limitations on the island of 12 years uh, for a murder. The prosecutor's office, though, says there may be some other charges or other ways to pursue this. And so they're asking for all of the investigative files to try and see what perhaps, if any, charges they can file there. So the idea that Yaron Vanderstue won't be facing any criminal prosecution specifically for the murder of Natalie Holloway may not be a closed matter yet.
0: Which might give people some hope. This raises larger questions absolutely about the concept of also answers and the price of answers or maybe more specifically the pricelessness of answers. And so as we talk about sort of numbers and sentences and years um, to that end in that plea agreement, perhaps the most valuable thing to the family uh, is knowing notwithstanding, as you say, the questions of credibility about that. I will say, however, that plea deals are not set in stone. They are between the prosecutors, obviously, and the defendants. Um, Judges can absolutely step in and not bless them. And they can, using the power of the court and that concept of justice, uh, not execute them. So I I, want to point that out because we've seen many sort of high profile instances of that actually lately. But to your point, if there are concepts that have been um, alleviated, and if it's important to the family to have certain things achieved, then the judge perhaps was doing, um, frankly, what the family asked her to do, or, or that if they were satisfied with that plea deal. Um, tell us about what the Birmingham community is feeling now and what you've heard there.
1: Well, to your point, I think the judge, the prosecutors, and the Birmingham community really take their cues from Beth Holloway specifically, but also from uh, Dave uh, and Matt. We heard from Matt Holloway for the first time, which was Natalie's younger brother. And um, everything that they said, and I think even you could see their, on their face, their, their body language was um, a bit of a weight had been lifted. This There was some finality to this and really some relief. Um Beth actually did a round of interviews afterwards she she was talking to media outlets for at least six or seven hours after the hearing basically because I think she wanted to provide closure for all the folks who have been following this case so long I was actually at the doctor's office the day before this this hearing and one of the nurses recognized me and said hey I was actually down there I flew down to RUBA to help look for Natalie back in 2005. I mean that's the level of involvement that folks in this community have had in this case for 18 years and so for the Birmingham community there is I think some closure, some finality that finally the person all along uh, we believed to have committed the crime has admitted to that and has described as horrific and gruesome and sad and tragic as as those last few seconds of Natalie's life were. Um, there is at least some finality that the person that there's no more mystery to it in that sense. And also, I think you have to. I, I that didn't say this specifically, but you certainly have to think. And as a, um, as a parent myself. Um, Natalie spent the last few seconds of her life fighting, right? She, she was, um, she was defending herself. She was stopping a situation from going in the direction she didn't want it to go. And she was fighting and defending herself in the last few seconds of her life. That doesn't bring her back. That doesn't heal any of these wounds. Um, but it, it does, uh, perhaps uh, provide some extra pride, um, and the young lady that, that her family described and that I knew had great things ahead of her. Um, that she was fighting in those last few seconds of her life. And so perhaps even that detail, that part of this confession can provide some closure and some help. And I think that is only that family can know what it's been like to go through 18 years of ups and downs and roller coasters and not really having, you know, thinking, you know, what's happened, what the truth is, but not having somebody to confirm that. And so um, I think they they made the calculation at some point that having this resolution uh, was what they needed. It was the, perhaps the best that they could hope for. And so that's why they signed off on this particular deal and uh, all the parameters around it.
0: I kept thinking about that when I heard the details of what had allegedly occurred and um, just how she did everything right, you know, how how she fought and was clear and with her boundaries and tried so hard It just this whole thing is so heartbreaking. Jonathan Hardison, thank you so much for joining us again. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we close?
1: Uh, thanks again for having me, Noah. This it's been great. And obviously, um it's it's a, a case that has been awful to follow in many ways, but um I think all of us feel like there's some closure to it as well. And just and really happiness that you mentioned what the Birmingham community is feeling. I think there has been some some joy for the Holloway family, as weird as that may seem, that at least this long arc is over and there isn't really another shoe, hopefully, to drop that this provides some finality to it and Basically, we're taking our cues from them. And if they seem at peace with it, uh, I think we will be as well as a community. And so I think it's nice to sort of close that awful chapter uh, and try and move ahead. Mm.
0: Thank you so much. And know that the whole country is supporting your community, too. And of course, and especially the Holloway family.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com.